0: Eric, what's up, my man?
1: What's up? How you doing?
0: I'm good. So I'm super pumped about us um, doing this interview. We had a couple hiccups along the way of scheduling it, but uh, you're uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, you, you're you're the you're the kind of guy that um, you know. I get connected to different folks to do interviews, and obviously, you know, then we'll you know we'll connect via text message or phone call or whatever. And I remember uh, you asked me about if I had like a Instagram for the podcast, and I don't social media is not really something i focused on but i'm always embarrassed when people like you ask me that because you got like twenty eight thousand followers so
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. i I try to push social pretty heavy uh it's a it's a good platform for definitely connecting with people you'd never you'd never meet in person and you know just finding different people to do interviews even with podcasts and stuff but it looks like you've managed to you know capitalize on that without the social so i definitely commend you on that for sure
0: well and it's uh it's one of those things where if I had, like, a team working on it, I, I would do it. But, you know, the podcast is not my primary job, so it's hard. But anyway, enough about me. Eric Jones, um, people may know who you are. People may not know who you are. I was super pumped about this interview because I saw you on PBS uh, in an interview, and I was listening to your story, and I was like, man, like, I just want to go hang out with this guy and yeah. just hear his story. So you're the C- CEO of a, of a shoe company. Mm-hmm. You know, just give, give the folks listening a, a Eric one-on-one.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm originally from Helena, Arkansas, southeast Arkansas, a real poor, underrepresented area. Uh, Grew up there, came to Fayetteville, Arkansas for college at the University of Arkansas. Uh, Started off in kind of business, and then I switched my major to fashion uh, because I really didn't like the business major. And uh, some advisors had told me, oh, you dress nice, and people like the way you dress, so try this major out. So I kind of jumped into that. Uh, like that, and stuck with it. And entrepreneurship kind of came into the picture about my junior year of college. Uh, because I remember, you know, my mom struggling, barely making ends meet, working two or three jobs. Uh, and I really didn't want that for my future. I didn't want anybody to put a cap on my success or what I was worth. Uh, so didn't know a lot about entrepreneurship, but just took that leap to try and find out more about it. And uh, my love for dress shoes kind of came from my background in church. So I grew up in church. Uh, mom was a first lady. Stepdad's a pastor, uh, and I played the drums in church. So I really never wore anything outside of dress shoes and and kind of like church suiting, suiting and stuff. Uh, so that stuck with me as I got older, and you know, I just, I just became this dapper guy that that even if I'm wearing jeans or or anything like that, I'm wearing some dress shoes. And even when I went to sweatpants, I'm wearing I'm typically wearing drivers or some some kind of loafer. Uh, so I guess that that love for dress shoes was just. Unconsciously there, and I even used to draw shoes back in, uh, back when I was in middle school, and I forgot until a teacher told me uh, when she saw I was doing the shoe business. So that's kind of, kind of cool. Uh, that part of the story, how I got in the shoes, um, and then some, of, some of the big stuff in my story. I lost my grandma in 2010, my dad in 2013, and my mom in 2016, right before I graduated college. Uh, so she, she helped me a lot to get the business started uh, with little to nothing. You know, she didn't have a lot, but she really sacrificed to make ends meet with that as well. And so, I mean, I dedicate everything to her and uh, she never got to see me sell a pair of shoes or graduate. So, you know, it, it really means a lot to me. And it's, it's a lot more than shoes because it's a movement. And we could talk more about the movement and the purpose behind the business uh, and what it's grown to become uh, a little later. But that's kind of like an overview of, of uh, my story, where I'm from, how I got into shoes and entrepreneurship, uh, and et cetera.
0: Man. So, yeah, when you talked about your grandma in 2010, your dad in 12, right? And then your mom in sixteen in that interview when I was watching I was like man, that, like talk about overcoming adversity and what you said about your mom helped you helped you start the business but she never even saw you sell a pair of shoes I mean talk how did your mom help like not every day are people like you know what I'm gonna start selling dress shoes yeah my own dress shoes not Alan Edmonds not Johnson and Murphy yeah. not Cole Hump, my own stuff. Yeah. So, how, how did that come about, and how did your mom help you?
1: Uh, so it came about, I read an article uh, when I was in class of a girl that uh, she started her own shoe company, and she didn't know anything about shoes. Uh, she just had money and connections to uh, get it started. And you know, I figured, eh, I don't got the money, and I don't got the connections really, but I'm in school for fashion, and I can draw, so I'll figure it out. And uh, I told my mom about it, and she didn't really want to help me out at first. She wanted me to, you know, do the regular Cycle the routine. You go to school, graduate, get a good job, become stable, and then think about investing into like a business or starting something like that. Uh, but I kind of started doing things on my own, researching uh, different things, sketching, uh, c- contacting people. And she saw how you know passionate I was about it, and how interested I was for real. And uh, and then she kind of jumped on board with like some credit cards to help me pay for samples. Um, and then she even you know saved up some money to help me pay for my first production. Uh, which we kind of went in on together because I was at an internship at Walmart actually. Uh, so that's kind of how that's how she helped me get it started. And that was in twenty six. That was in twenty sixteen, right before I graduated. That was the summer twenty sixteen when all that stuff started, you know, actually happening. So if I had waited, uh, you know, I wouldn't even have this company right now because who was going to who was who was going to tell me, you know, that my mom was going to pass weeks before I graduated college, and uh, and you know she wanted me to wait until after I graduated. So that would definitely set me back for for years, you know, uh, with me actually having the courage or the opportunity to, like, take that leap and and start this business. So that's how it came about from an article and uh, me taking action from that. And then uh, she, you know, jumped behind me after I showed that I was really you know, passionate about it. And, And then she started commenting, oh, Mr. CEO this, and promoting it a lot on Facebook and telling all her friends. So she was really excited about it. And I even posted something on Instagram, which I'll share with you, uh, after this, uh, and it was a post, uh, she had watched a video, uh, Steve Harvey, he was, it was like during a, a commercial break for, uh, for Family Feud, and he was talking about taking a leap of faith and how everybody has to take that jump off the cliff of life, um, you know, to become successful or whatever, uh, it may be, uh, and she would always comment that under my pictures on Facebook, like, oh, you gotta jump, you gotta jump, you gotta jump, so definitely having that motivation and that push from, like, her, she was, like, my number one source of support, so it's definitely. Um, it's definitely huge. She did. She, she had a huge impact on the business, and you know how what it is today. And even as she like is, is not here on this earth, you know, I'm, she's still living through me. So it's pretty. It's pretty deep.
0: Yeah, and so I'm. I'm gonna assume. I, I don't know, but was your mom sick, or was it an unexpected passing?
1: It was unexpected. It was. Uh, I didn't even know that she was like sick. You know, she. I didn't know she was in the hospital yeah. or anything. And she she Facetimed me, or I Facetimed her, and she she was like in a hospital. Uh, outfit and I was like yeah where are you at like you're in the hospital she was like no I'm not in the hospital I'm okay and she finally told me that oh if she was in the hospital she might have like food poisoning or something so and it just kind of went downhill like week after week and it took like two weeks maybe uh so she was like healthy before prior to that uh and of course she had some like health complications but nothing serious enough to be like oh she she might end up passing in, in, in like the next months or something you know
0: yeah well you know it's it's out of tragedy that triumph really is born Mm -hmm. and one thing that i hear in your voice when you're describing this you know and you know this better than anybody so you know i work for myself you work for yourself anybody who works for themselves they they can tell you that being self-employed is maybe one of the most miserable experiences of your life like (laughs) <laughs> it's it sucks so much so much of the time and you have to overcome one adversity after another mm-hmm. and a lot of people can't take that adversity for very long yeah it just it, yeah. it wears them down but you've got a mission with your mom being the one who helped you start and helped you form and the encouragement there I mean was it was it something where times got tough in the business you would just think back at your mom and it, it would carry you through?
1: Yeah, so uh, anytime I experience something like bad or terrible or a roadblock or a down, uh, you know, I I just think, you know, I I set my mom's death as like the the worst thing that could ever happen to me in my life. And that's stuff you dream about. You're like, yeah, you dream about it happening, but you're like, ah, shit, we're young. She's younger. You know, she's not old yet. She's healthy. It's not going to happen. But then it actually happens. You're like, dang, you know, this this really happened. So me setting that as the worst thing that could ever happen to me in my life, you know, my bank account hitting the negative over and over again. Uh, me having shoes coming in late, me and ha- me having defective shoes, me not having money to like go buy food or go shop and this and that stuff like that doesn't really affect me because it- it's not as bad as losing a mom or losing someone like that, you know, in your life. So, any obstacle that I face, uh, or any downtime or any time I'm just sad or or frustrated, I just I just think like you know, she- what would she want me to do in this situation? You know, I haven't come this far, you know, just being full time to just give up or go work for somebody. Or just give in, you know, on my dreams and my hopes, and you know, just what I built uh, thus far. So, and I also inspire so many people. So, I definitely um, just think about that anytime I think about giving up. I just, I just remember all the people I inspire and motivate. I, that just pushes me all the way through, you know.
0: Do you think it would have been different if she hadn't passed away?
1: Uh, pro- probably so, because you know, she she might have been. Um, like hesitant for me to go full time, and then if she saw me struggling, she'd be like, "Oh, well, boy, you might need to go get a job, this and that. You might need to give it a break." Yeah. And you know, your mom saying that, you know, she really can have a huge uh, motivation or a huge uh, impact on your decisions in life. So definitely, it probably would be different. Uh, so that's what I said. You know, the death is like, is is I don't want to call it a blessing and a curse because I've experienced, you know, blessings and curses and cur- like things, situations that were like blessing and curse at the same time. Uh, but, you know, if she hadn't passed, I wouldn't have this fire lit under me to, you know, push this business uh, to the top. Uh, you know, and then if she also if she hadn't passed, you know, I wouldn't I just wouldn't have this this like movement and this purpose behind the business that I have right now. So, you know, it it everything happens for a reason. And, you know, you got to look at things that happen to you as like, OK, what's the good in this? You know, it, everything that happens doesn't have to be a, a negative thing. And I definitely didn't want to see her. Um, you know, struggling to live or anything like that. I wanted her to live a normal life. So if she wasn't about to live that a normal life that like she was living, I definitely didn't want her to like suffer or anything like that. So it, her death really like made the purpose of my life in the business, you know, even even bigger than what it would have been. You know, it, it just adds to the story. All of the things, experience yeah. just adds to the story uh, so that I can share with somebody else and inspire and motivate them to to keep pushing. So I'm, I'm kind of like a vessel, uh, you can say, to the community, to the culture, uh, to just anyone you know that that hears the story.
0: Yeah, and that's really the point of millennial manhood. It's we don't want people to reinventing the wheel. We want people to take knowledge and experiences from others and apply them to their own lives. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, true. Because you can definitely learn so much from other people's experience, and you never know who will hear it. And, and, and just needs that extra little push to be like, oh, man, if he can do it, you know, I can do it. And that's kind of cliche. But if you actually see somebody that's being very transparent and very vulnerable about their their situations, their their journey, you know, that can definitely push some people that are like stuck in a situation like off that cliff. And they actually take that leap of faith and it actually becomes very successful uh, because of that, like one moment they heard something specific in a, in a podcast or saw something in a video. So definitely
0: or read an article about a girl who started a company.
1: Exactly, <laughs> and something like that could just make you, just just leap or just see like, oh, dang, I can do that probably, and then you go for it, and then over time the story just builds behind it, and you get this like huge, like push, this huge like just a movement behind it, and you're just like, okay, this is really something that could could actually happen, and could actually be something like big, and and change lives, and change the world, and change the culture, and just change the narrative of uh of my community or any community. <laughs>
0: So you mentioned growing up poor in, in rural Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. Or small town Arkansas.
1: Yeah, um, it's small town, yeah.
0: So one of the shifts that I see with a lot of the people that I've interviewed who grew up in poverty and then became entrepreneurial is they had to make a transition from a uh, scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. You know, if, if you have a scarcity mindset, there's no way in hell you're going full time into a business, you know, head first. Yeah. Uh, you gotta believe there's enough out there for everybody. So, so mm-hmm. talk to us about that experience of growing up poor, of having that scarcity mindset, of overcoming that, and how your mindset has evolved and shifted as you've grown into your entrepreneurial role.
1: Yeah. So I feel like growing up uh, poor in underrepresented areas. Uh, it, when you're growing up in those situations, you're like, "Oh, why me? Or why do I have to do this? Or why can't I have this kind of lifestyle?" <clears throat> and then when you become older, you you learn to appreciate that because going into entrepreneurship is like, okay, I, I don't have everything that I used to have or access to this or opportunities to do this, or just like the money to be able to go spend at this event or on these, these pair of clothes or whatever. So if you come from that background, you already know how to make it in that situation. So for me, it wasn't a, a mindset of like, oh, uh, there's nothing out there for me, or this can't be for me. It was more so like, oh, I've been through not having this. So let me build this business, uh, you know, while in the situation, I'm not having things that I'm used to having while I was in college because I worked and stuff. So I made a way to like buy stuff. And of course, life got better. Uh, but it just went back to something that I was used to, you know, not having this, not having that. So it really didn't hurt or, you know, hinder me a lot. <clears throat> and I wasn't really afraid of, of of what came with it or or just seeing, you know, oh, this might not be for me or there's not enough room in the industry for me. Uh, because someone, I feel like I was, I was molded into the person I am to be the, the individual that, that shows other African-American males, like, hey, you know, you don't have to sell drugs. You don't have to, have to, like, have big big rims or have holes or have this and that. That's not success, you know, true success. You don't have to play basketball, play football. You know, there's, <clears throat> there are other ways, like, out of the hood or out of the streets or, you know, just to become successful, like, actually successful. So uh, I feel like it's, it was put on my life to to live out this journey. So it's, it's really, the way I grew up really didn't affect you know, me going into entrepreneurship. It really just motivated me to want more. And then I saw what I had to do to get more and I had the work ethic to, to go for it. And then I just jumped into it. So yeah, growing up growing up not having everything that I would want, growing up poor, uh, red throats holes in the walls, that really didn't just my I didn't I didn't look at my current situation as my final destination. You know, I, I looked at okay, this is what I'm capable of, of achieving. Now let me see what I gotta go to what what I have to do to go get it. And then I do that, you know, so that's, that's my mindset with everything.
0: Yeah. Well, you, you might not need uh big Rams or hoes, but you definitely need fly shoes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have the fly shoes. So, and even, and even with the company showing, showing a different look, you know, um, you don't have to wear J's and, and sag and, and big t-shirts all the time to be fresh, you know, actually kind of switch up your style and put a, put a tailored suit on and uh, put some dress shoes on and see, you know, how you get treated differently or how you feel different. You know, it, it it's more clean cut, more together, because back in the day, you couldn't catch a black man without a suit and a top hat on because, you know, we had to carry ourselves as if we were uh, about business or a, a higher like stature than we were. So definitely.
0: Uh, yeah, like all like all those civil rights pictures. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't catch one of them without a suit on because, you know, we're about business. So that, that kind of faded away. And I wish that wouldn't have faded away because, you know, that it just makes a huge it's just it's just I don't know, it's just the effect that you have when you put on a suit. You know, people are like, "Oh, where are you going?" or "What do you do?" or this and that. And then you can just walk up to anybody and just feel more confident. So, just just that style as a whole is just much more uh, appealing to me, I guess. So that's that's another big part of why I did why I do it too. Well,
0: let's move to you going into fashion as a major.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, there's no way that that everybody you told that you were switching your major to fashion was just like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> like there had to be like somebody like if if somebody told me that i'd be like boy you better get your crap to get like there's no way yeah. uh that that's a major so talk about that and talk about how'd you come up with the idea for for shoes in particular because that's that seems like a, it's a, a a big barrier to entry from a from a business standpoint yeah
1: it is pretty hard actually it's, it's not easy to get into it and i've had my ups and downs for sure i got screwed as soon as like on my first order i got screwed with the shoes being lower quality than what i wanted uh, and they fit narrow. So I ended up throwing away like sixty pair of shoes by the time that was like I had sold all I could sell. Uh, and I was back to nothing again. And I was that was all in the first year. Uh, by like summertime, I was back down to like nothing really. Uh, and I started with nothing. So I was like, it's it's been crazy. I've done I've done so much with but so less. I've done m i have done I just I haven't had enough money to be doing this at all since day one. So it's been crazy to look in the mirror sometime and think like, dang, you're really doing this, you're really making this happen. Um and you're building like a legacy with nothing. Uh, but switching switching to like fashion uh, my mom she at first she was like oh what are you doing like you did major in business this and that this and that and uh I mean it's just over time she was just like whatever you know just do what you want to do whatever you you know actually are like passionate about or just enjoy doing you know you could because you can at the end of the day you can make money doing whatever you want to do because there are people out on the on the on the like trash trucks that make millions because they own the, the company so I mean if you, if you yep. talk to a person like, hey, what did you do? He's like, oh, I want, a, I want a, tr- a trash truck company or whatever. He'd be like, really? Like, what? And you won't know that they're, like, needed. You know, they make millions of dollars. So definitely I just, I'm really huge on, you know, if even when I have a kid, if they want to do something that I think isn't, you know, the best for them, I'm like, oh, okay, if you want to do it, you know, go do that and be the best at it, you know, and I'm, I'm going to support it, like, 100%. Uh, Just because, like, my mom supported what I did 100%. And I feel like if more parents did that, you know, and more friends and family did that, you know, you will see more people being successful in what they want to do because, you know, they feel they don't feel bad. They're like, oh, I'm doing this because, and then, like, everybody just thinks I shouldn't be doing it. So I might be in the wrong thing or it might not lead to anything like everybody else is saying. But, you know, in reality, it could be one of the biggest things you ever done in your life, one of the biggest, like, opportunities in your life. So, you never know where it lead to. But yeah, I definitely, my mom at first, she was like, she was hesitant with it. And outside of that, no one else really, because my me and my mom, we were like the only ones that were, she was the only one that was really like tight with me and just knew my every move and supported me and was just there. Uh, so yeah, outside of that, no one else really had any issues with it. Uh, I was even hesitant about it at first because I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't even know what I was going to do when I went to college. So <laughs> that's why I didn't know what I was going to major in. But but uh, it just worked worked itself out, uh, you know, and I just followed my good. And the universe just worked in my favor with that one.
0: Yeah, and I, I completely can relate on the front of, um, you know, parents supporting you. Like when I got into business, so, you know, being in a, a financial advisor, being in a financial world,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not necessarily a hard barrier to entry. It's just a hard barrier. Uh, place to remain. So I think the retention rate within five years of people who started practice is like 2%. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very rare to make it. And I remember talking to my dad about that and he was very encouraging and supportive. So I had no market, no um, no existing clients from a previous business, nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, I just started cold calling and he he said, you know, just go do it for a year. What's the worst that can happen? You fail and then you're a year older. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> he literally said that's the worst that can happen. I said, you know what? <laughs> that's actually a really valid point. He said, you've got no expenses. Like, your apartment costs you $400 a month. Uh, you've got no wife, no kids. Like, when the hell do you think you're going to do this? Like, when you're 35 with three children and $10,000 of expenses? regret. Live in
1: regret. Then you live in regret, you know, whether, when you should have took the opportunity, like, at a young age. And that's why I'm, I'm happy I was blessed to take it at a young age. And Right now, I'm, like, in the grind, and I'm only 23 right now, so I'm just like, blessed to be able to take these risks at this young age. So definitely, like, understand that. So
0: you said earlier you didn't want to cap on your success. I think that's one of the first sentences you said in this interview. Yeah. Let's let's look 15 years down the road. What does that Eric Jones success look like?
1: I want – of course, I want billions. Uh, of co- And I might have, like – hope. hopefully I have kids, you know. So I want to be able to build a, a business that I can pass down generation to generation. Uh, so generational wealth is a huge thing to me. So, But definitely – Want to be in the billions? Uh, definitely want to be have built a Fortune 500 company because there are no like black owned businesses, and not even like any more of like black CEOs uh, that are in the Fortune 500 list. I don't think last time I checked. Uh, so definitely I have big goals for the business, and you know I, I would love to invest in um, in in other businesses. Uh, start you know other businesses outside of LFLS shoes, um, and reach back to help other people and like they come from backgrounds like me and just be this like positive image and influential person in the media for uh the black community because we don't have that we, we don't see people uh actually becoming successful like you know black cars successful and you know not just flying rims and, and wads of money we need to see like true success you know people that have built businesses and have reached back to help the next behind them so reaching back is definitely a huge thing with me offering scholarships uh foundations uh just pl- offering a platform for people that that you know in other hands, wouldn't wouldn't have a platform to to grow or share their 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 like future goals or their business or receive knowledge and and information and inspiration from other people that have been through things. So it's definitely a, a huge like giving back and, and actually showing that and pushing it in the media to make a change. You know, a shift the mindset and a shift the narrative. So that's like 15 years from now, definitely billionaire status. Uh, billion dollar company uh multiple companies myself investing in other companies uh promoting positivity in the black community reaching back to help others uh and just being like just really being this huge hub of like positivity for for like the community and the image yeah so that's that's what 15 years was like and then of, of course flying in private jets i want i want a private jet one day but, you know that's not like a, a big goal of mine but I definitely want one, just just because, just because, <laughs> just because. I just want one, just because, just because. I don't, I don't, need, I don't need one, and just want one. You know, I need to be to, to have a platform where I can reach back to people. I need to be able to offer scholarships. I need to be able to fund businesses. I need to, you know, be able to be an icon, uh, for my community. So those are the things that I need to do, and the things that I want to do is just say, uh, you know, live nice, um, be able to swipe my card without checking my bank account. You know, um be able to provide for my family. Um, you know, just things like that, you know, I want to have a, a, a lifestyle that I never have. And the lifestyle that black people never see as like something they can potentially have. I want, I want that, you know, so definitely that's, that's.
0: So when, when did you become a big thinker? Cause all the things you just mentioned are like big, big goals. Yeah. When did you become a big,
1: I have no clue, bro, because I I have no I've always wanted bigger than what I've had. And I've always seen like the bigger picture of my life uh, because I grew up being bullied and stuff. And, you know, just to get through that, I, I could have went to the streets and, and this and that and been like that negative, um, that bad child, you know, but something in me, the way I was raised, you know, it was just like, oh, there's more out there for me. I can let me stay true to myself, stay true to my roots and, and continue to, you know, stay on this this positive track roadmap or whatever and i had to think big to even start this this business you know because talking to talking about having a shoe company or designing shoes in arkansas is some shit that you would never hear uh and then coming from my background and then at my age and then me saying oh, i'm gonna do ai sho- am gonna have a shoe company that's something you would never hear so definitely like thinking big is something that i've had to do since day one especially since i like when i had the idea of like oh i want to do a shoe company i can't just think oh I'm going to design one shoe, try to sell it, and and that's it. I need to, like, think big, like generational wealth. I need to think, like, something I can build and pass down, and it can outlive me, you know. So that's definitely, uh, I, I guess, like, around 20 2015-ish, I guess, is when the thinking big came in then because that was around my junior year. That was around when entrepreneurship popped up. So around 20, 2015 is, like, that's, like, it. <laughs> that's when I started thinking, like, that.
0: Yeah. So, what do you, what do you mean? You mentioned getting bullied and overcoming that. What What do you mean? Uh, give a little give a little background on that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I guess I could I give it like examples. So, uh, being talked about, name calling, not having the nicer clothes that like kids would have. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I've been robbed at school before. Um, you know, just different things like that that would that that people like would pick on you about because you're smaller or less fortunate or you don't got this or you're not a thug. You you, you have just like this little positive, you know, little. I don't know. I don't know what word to put there. But you're not like the thug so you don't fit in with everybody else. You know, you stand out from the crowd so you get picked on because of that. Uh just stuff like that, you know. And and not just being the, the popular guy or the cool kid. And and then like being in a small town, you know, every either everybody's like on one side or on the, on the other side. So most people that I was around was on like the the negative thuggish, like, you know, hood side and then I was standing on the other side like a positivity. And now Yeah. When I look back, you know, everybody, all of my classmates, friends and all that stuff, most people are like dead in jail, you know, on the streets. And they're looking at me like, hey, you know, you're doing good. I want to be like this, that. You, you motivate me. You inspire me. You've done good. Like you came from the same streets. I came from the same, you know, town I came from. You made it out. This and that. So that just it just showed me, you know, I'm happy I stayed true to myself through, you know, everything I had to experience uh, and, and made it to this point in my life.
0: Isn't it crazy how that works it's out. It's
1: crazy as hell. I swear to God. And that's why anytime I would speak to people, i be like, "Yo, stay true to yourself." You know, if you live in a positive lifestyle and you're not, you're not going to rob or or acting up in class, being goofy class clown. You know, don't 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 just feel bad because that's not you, and just don't. Uh, I guess just don't shift who you are just to fit in in that moment. You know, remain. Everybody was created different. You know, so you were created that way for a reason, and you'll find out that reason over time. You know, and if you stick to who you are, stay true to yourself, you'll see why, you know, you you did that. And like, you know, and it, and it might not it might be years down the road, but you'll definitely look back and be like, hey, I went through this to get to this. So definitely, I really appreciate that. So, yeah. that's. Is-
0: so I know you probably don't know this, but on our show, we've got this thing called Milanisms, which is my dad's name is Milan. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just random nuggets of wisdom he's passed on throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, And you made me think of one just now. So you ready for it? Yeah. And I got one
1: to come behind you too. <laughs>
0: Boom. All right. So uh, my dad always told me growing up, don't be cool for a day. Figure out a way to be cool forever.
1: That's dope. That's dope.
0: Yeah. That's. And anytime growing up peer pressure was around me or anything, like I always remembered that so, so vividly. He he will tell me that crap today. Like- <laughs> that can
1: live on forever. Like definitely, <laughs> definitely. Live yeah. On forever.
0: And it will because I just said on the podcast, right. so aliens will be hearing this in like twenty million Alien. years or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what were you gonna say? Uh, and then mine is uh, something I started living by on a daily basis, and I tell to everybody, uh, and I tell the people like, "Fail like a baby." You ever heard that? Fail like a baby. Fail like a baby. Fail like a baby. Huh? Yes. They just and keep getting And nuts? I'll explain it. Yeah. So if you if you're a baby, you start crawling. You're like, ah, oh, then I want to try to start walking. And you get up, you try to start walking for the first time, and you fall down you might fall hundreds of thousands of times, but never do you see a baby like, oh, well, I guess walking isn't for me. So I just keep crawling, you know. No, they get up, they continue to walk, you know, over and over again. And then they start walking, then they start running, then they start, you know, running track, whatever. So I tell people like the same thing in business, you know, you might fail once, twice, three times, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not for you as you just have to keep, get up and, you know, just keep going. It's like the resilience part of of entrepreneurship. So definitely feeling like a baby is something that I've I've held on to and I tell people all the time. You know, if they're going through something, I just look at them like, hey, feel like a baby. You know, we look at babies all the time around the world, and they're just crawling, crawling, crawling. And they get the guts to try to start walking, and they never just say, ah, it's not for me. They just keep going until they get it. So definitely.
0: Where did you hear that?
1: Uh, I forgot where I heard it. I heard it uh, on a video, I think. But I, it stuck oh. with me. And I
0: I was hoping you'd be like, "This is something my great 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 grandpappy told us, and it's know. been passed on." I don't
1: even know. Him. I don't even know. Him. So yeah, I heard. It, yeah. I heard. It, I heard it, I'll pass it down. Also, my my great 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 grandkids can be like, "Yeah, my my great 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 granddad." Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I yeah.
0: Pass it down. So, so talk about the movement. What what is the what is the movement about with the company?
1: Uh, so movement can be it's a few different things. So one thing is like supporting Black owned businesses. Uh, you know, black people in our community, we have this crabs in the bucket mentality, so we really don't support each other uh, to the fullest. But we will go out outside of our community and support and spend money. Uh, we also um, uh, devalue our own our own people and our own products. So if it's like black owned, it's already seen as something that's not of value or <clears throat> it, it's expensive, or they ask for a discount, or why am I paying this much, et cetera. So that's one thing. Uh, switching the narrative is another thing. So the image of black people in the in the uh, in the media. Uh, we're portrayed as, you know, thugs or only football player, basketball players. Um, it's just negative stuff in the media. So definitely switching that narrative of of what we're portrayed as uh, to the regular everyday human. Uh, outside of that, another thing is, is uh, motivating and inspiring the community. So <clears throat> through my story, uh, I'm a vessel, like I mentioned, to this community. So I definitely share my story, very transparent about uh, when my bank account is the negative, uh, and I always say, you know, we have to weed out the people that aren't really about entrepreneurship. So there might be a person that's like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. It looks easy. It looks lavish. And then me sharing my story and, and talking about all the hardships that'll make them be like, oh, dang, that's really not for me. But on the other hand, the person that's really like wants to be an entrepreneur and got what it takes, they feel like they're alone and they're afraid to jump into entrepreneurship. Me sharing my story to them is them, and it, that leads to them being like, oh, dang, I'm not I'm not alone you know, it's yeah. not it's not easy. You know, I, there are people struggling to get to where they are. So definitely showing that side of it can affect two different communities, and the, the one community that needs to be affected more is the community of people that are, that want to be entrepreneurs and have what it takes, but they feel like they're alone and they feel like they're doing something wrong. So definitely those are kind of like top three, like the motivation inspiration part, uh, and the reaching back to help people. Um, uh, you know, switching the narrative, and then the first that I mentioned. Uh, shit! What did I mention? I, I've talked so much now. <laughs> I Forget what I mentioned. Uh, uh, just, I,
0: I want to like, follow up on something real yeah. quick on what you mentioned mm-hmm. on um, black supported businesses by that's the black community. What,
1: that's what the first one was uh, that was what the first one was.
0: Yeah. So this is an interesting uh, topic. So I was talking to some of my friends who are African American, and and one of my friends in particular said, you know, hey Yav, so there's this there's this thing in the black community called white is right, um, where basically. You know, a white business or a white advisor or a white doctor will be seen as more credible mm-hmm. than a, a black equivalent of of that. Definitely. Um, and and he and he mentioned the whole wanting a discount that's seen as inferior. Why do you think that is?
1: It, it's it's been passed down from generation to generation. It can even go back to slavery, <clears throat> where we've been separated as a people. So even light skin and dark skin, um, yep. if you go to back to slavery, when the light skin might have been in the house and the dark skin might have been, you know, darker people might were because they were in the field. And, you know, it can it can start there. And then um, when we couldn't shop with people like outside, we we couldn't shop with white owned businesses uh, back when, you know, when Wall Street was there, Black Wall Street was there. Yeah. And and Oklahoma. We built our own community because we couldn't shop with anyone else. And that was like that was crazy. crazy. And then they got bombed. Yeah. And then and then from there, you know, over time, we were able to slowly enter into those like uh, those shops that we couldn't go into. And then we received that 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 feeling of freedom and that feeling of like, oh, I can do this or I can be that. And we want to be seen as some of some stature. We want to be seen as some of importance. So, you know, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Fendi, Prada, whatever, et cetera, those products are worn by people that we look up to, we aspire to be. So if we we feel like if we wear those products, you know, we can, we, we'll be on that level or we'll be on that, we'll have that status. We'll look rich, we'll look like this. So it's all about an image thing with, uh, with black people. And since we haven't had anything of that value of that image or with that product placement. And so long, we only see those products or anything outside of our race as, you know, luxury or valuable or anything like that. So it becomes very hard because black people feel like, oh, I don't owe you anything, you know, why do I owe you something? And, and but we, we forget, we, we tend to forget how important or how like big of an impact the black, the black dollar has on the economic system or like whatever, you know, we spend the most, but we make the least. So it never adds up, you know? So, But if we start to, you know, bring our dollar back to our community, we will start to see a shift, you know? And people really try to be like, oh, this race is this, or talk outside of like our community. And we need to start working on the inside of our community and swooping around our, front, our own front door before we start to sweep around somebody else's. Because the problem, the complete problem isn't outside of our race. Like a huge part of the problem is like within our race. So once someone actually gets to the point where they have a platform, and they can speak on, you know, the true issues of, like, okay, the problems are, like, in our within our community. Let's try to fix this and then work from inside out. Then we'll start to see change. But, you know, we'll always be enslaved because we we don't own anything. You know, our dollar isn't ours. You know, so we'll always be enslaved because we're not financially free. Until we're financially free, we're, like, you know, slaves forever. So that's, that's kind of how that, that works for me.
0: Well, it's interesting what you said about spend the most but earn the least. It it makes it impossible to create generational wealth.
1: It's impossible, bro. And we're like in a cycle where we only think about ourselves in the moment and we'll end up creating more debt for the person that follows behind us. So if I have a son and I didn't think about, oh, I'm about to have a kid, you know, I want them to have something, be stable, have something to pass down to them because you can't pass a degree down. You can't pass a full-ride scholarship to Duke down. You can't pass an NBA title down. Because And you can't pass a rap career down because it's not guaranteed that that child will be able to, you know, monetize either one of those things. You can't pass a job at Walmart down or anything. So you have to build something that you can pass down, even if it's saving money from you working, you know. But at the end of the day, passing a business down is much more important because that doesn't run out. You know, that's like Walmart. Look at Walmart, for example, up here in Fev, up in Benville, Arkansas. You know, he's well, Sam, he started that. And his kids don't have to do shit today. Like, they just spend money, they invest, and they enjoy life. And, you know, of course, uh, some people might hate that, but he put that work in back then to start the generational wealth. And I feel like the black community is so far behind that people my age and younger, it's up to them to start that generational wealth for our community. So definitely right now is, like, the the, the moment to be speaking about that, to educate people on that, and even just to push people to, like, do that or show this an option you know it, it's huge it's real huge
0: yeah well we're um we're running up on time so i gotta ask my question that i always ask at the end of an interview but if uh if you could go back to 18 year old you 17 18 year old you you know wide-eyed bushy-tailed little <laughs> air, uh and and knowing all that you know and knowing all that you know about yourself mm-hmm. What's one piece of advice you would give yourself at that stage of life?
1: Um, I wasn't very patient back then, so i would probably talk a little bit about patience um, because I, I tend to r- rush a lot of things, especially when I first started the business, and it tends to set me back uh, on a lot of things. So I would definitely talk about patience uh, to myself, and then I would educate myself more on uh, what's really important within uplifting the black community and, uh, and generational wealth and seeing change uh, and in true success and what I'm what I'm capable of, you know, educating myself on what I'm capable of and actually researching, you know, successful black people or, you know, what true success is or anything like that, because we would always see the, the American dream or the typical American life. Uh, but I would tell myself to look further than that uh, so I could actually see myself in that situation.
0: I love it. I love it. Patience is a virtue. Patience. I mean, you're, I think you're the first person that's talked about patience, patience as the huge. answer. Patience
1: is huge, man. And if, and if you don't have it, you'll give up, you know, and I would, and I would definitely also tell myself, you know, passion, patience and passion, because if you're not passionate about something, you know, you'll end up getting into it. You won't see, so you won't see the kind of success you want to see within six months, a year, and then you drop out of it, you know? So if you find that passion, you find that purpose and you have that patience for it, you'll, you'll definitely see success. Um, uh, you know, in whatever you do.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, Eric, thanks for coming on, man. I really enjoyed it. I really
1: appreciate it. I enjoyed it too. And I will definitely stay connected, chop it up. You know, if I come out to your city, we'll have to link and, you know, get some tea or a drink or something. And (laughs) I I love tea, man. I love
0: tea. Look, I love tea too,
1: but (laughs) it's just funny. Um,
0: Look, hey. Here's here's where you get to plug. Whatever you want to plug. How can people get a hold of you? How can people buy your shoes? How can people you know just give a little brief uh, sales yeah, pitch? Yeah.
1: So uh, the company's Instagram is lfls shoes. So L is in like, F is in father, L is in like, S is in son, and then shoes. Uh, that's also the Facebook uh, and the website is lfls shoes as well. Lfls shoes dot com. Uh, my personal page is v, so the so T H E you know spell the V all the way out and Doctor spelled all the way out and then Dapper. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under that and Instagram as well, and yeah, that's the that's where you can get us.
0: And and what makes your shoes different than other shoes? Uh, Tell the folks the person
1: that. behind the business, who's the face of the business, who's me. Um, the designs that I design, uh, the, the the quality that you receive in the shoes, uh, the story behind the business, because it's it's more than a shoe. When you put on a shoe, you're putting on like a deep story. It's it's like a movement, like we talked about. Um, and then some of the features that I've added to my shoes haven't been done to men's shoes yet. So like the zipper on the back of my loafer, uh, you hmm. won't find that on any men's uh, loafers or any men's shoes. Um, so small detail features like that. And, uh, and you know, the way that they grab attention because they're so different. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's what kind of makes it different. It's more than more than just the shoe makes it different. And the features on the shoe is like the stuff behind it. And, you know, once you put on those shoes, it's just like putting yourself in my shoes kind of deal. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, again, thanks for coming on. You know, I'll put all the contact info in the description of the episode, but folks out there listening, as always, you want us to interview somebody, you got questions, you got concerns, you got a uh, constructive criticism, keyword constructive. Don't just complain. You got to offer a solution. MillennialManhoodCIP at gmail.com. Again, MillennialManhoodCIP at gmail.com. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.